0: Yeah, the, the the name thing is always is always fun. You know, all of a sudden I have to call him Pastor Todd. At at home, he makes me call him Reverend. Um, <laughs> no, just, just kidding, but uh, and then the whole Dad or Pastor Mel thing or whatever. But uh, anyway, thanks again for praying for us. Thanks for praying for our family, and uh, we really appreciate that. I'm making improvement with the breathing thing, and thank you very much. I want to introduce you to somebody. There's uh, there's a couple here today. That honestly, one of my best friends in the whole world, Tim and Carrie Shade. Tim and Carrie wave. There you go. Okay, Tim uh, and Carrie Shade. Uh, Tim and I used to work together up at the college. Uh, he is a. I'm gonna. I'm gonna talk about you a little bit, Tim. Right? Like you wouldn't expect anything else, right? Uh, that that good of a friend. They're from South Jersey, uh, but Dan, they are Philadelphia fans, right? So yeah. But um, uh, Tim is a graphic artist and has worked with me, worked with me up at the college. He uh, he is actually the designer. Uh, some of you, A lot of you know that uh, I've written uh, eight books, nine books, and Tim has designed the cover of the last two books for me. A lot of the graphics on my display, on my website, all of that uh, Tim has done for me. And also, uh, he's the guy that designed the... Uh, the uh, welcome to our church or come to our church postcards that are out there, uh, Tim did that for us. He did the flags that are out front and uh, our business cards, so already Tim has blessed our church, right? He has. There, there you go, yeah. But uh, but Tim, thank you very much. Although, I I told him I was going to do this, and I, I can't let this go, I just can't, because Christy's here today, Christy's a missionary in Germany, Christ, Christy lives in Berlin, and she's back talking to the kids about German, uh, Germany and all of that, and uh, Tim Shade, S-C-H-A-D-E. S-C-H-A-D-E. Uh, Tim, I'm sorry, I apologize, but, but here it is. That is German, and if you know German at all, uh, you've probably had this vocabulary word, Schade, right? In German means what a shame, or what a pity, it does, so Tim, sorry, but I had to tell him, it just, it just fit for today, so Tim, what a pity, is here today, and um, of course, you know, I, I shouldn't uh, be a smart aleck about that, um, because I don't know if you know what walker means, someone who walks, so it's, but it's, it's not all that profound, Um yeah, if, if you have your Bibles, please get those out and turn with me to 2 Timothy. Um, and this, this isn't working right now. 2 Timothy chapter 3. There we go. And uh, we're going to look at two very familiar verses, which are 2 Timothy 3, 16, and 17. Probably the most familiar verses in 2 Timothy. And we're going to look at that together. And ultimately, I mean, we're going to look at this for a little bit. And then ultimately, we're going to be at the place where uh, I'm going to talk with you about how to study the Bible. My, my title for this morning is uh, God's Owner's Manual. And really, God has given us His Word, and uh, there's a lot of reasons why. I, I think even from the very beginning of time, if you were to read Genesis 1, over and over and over and over again in Genesis 1, there's this phrase that says, God said, from the very beginning of time, God made a commitment to communicate to us. I I think that's amazing, that God, the Almighty God of the universe, made a, a, a commitment to communicate to us, to help us, to tell us about Him, to tell us about life, to tell us about us, to tell us about the world, to tell us about the future, about heaven and hell, about all, God made a commitment to communicate to us. And, um, yeah, he's given us an owner's manual. You, you know how that works, right? I just grabbed off of the magic of uh, of uh, Google Images some owner's manuals of things that some way or another uh, have to do with my life. My Jeep, uh, I got a, uh, an Alexa, which is funny. The basic thing I've learned about Alexa is, Alexa, tell me a joke. Uh, that's, that's basically what I've learned about that. And... Uh, those kinds of things, but owner's manual, right? We, a lot of you know this about our background. Peggy and I, are, when we started our ministry, we used to live outside of uh, Detroit in Michigan. And uh, in, our, in our house, or near our house, right in our neighborhood, excuse me, was uh, right really, really close, which in some cases was, was very frustrating, but right near us was a General Motors Assembly Division plant. I mean, this factory was a monster. I, I don't think this is exactly true, but uh, a lot of you know I grew up in Montrose, Pennsylvania. I think the General Motors plant was bigger than Montrose. I <laughs> But uh, this place was a monster. And they made cars there. And uh, one of the things that I always was amazed is they made the cars and they put on the doors. And, you know, they'd take the frame and they put on the doors and put in the seats and put in the electronics and put on the tires and all of that. And then the very last thing that they would do at General Motors Assembly before they would hand out, uh, before they would sell you the car is, I don't know if you're aware of this, is they'd have some guy from Ford come over and put an owner's manual in the glove box, right? Come on, I mean, that doesn't even make sense, right? Right. When you buy a car, when you buy a Echo Alexa or TV or an Apple Watch that they still don't have a clue how to use, uh, all of that, the guy, the people who make it, give you an owner's manual. Now we're going to look at Second Timothy, chapter three, verses sixteen and seventeen, and talk about God's owner's manual. But I, I'm going to I'm going to backtrack a little bit if I can on my PowerPoint. And you have this verse at the top of your notes on the inside of the bulletin. If you look with me at Psalm 100, verse 3, it says this, Know that the Lord, He is God. And then it says this, It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. And I I think, folks, that's more profound than we know. It is God who has made us, made us. He is our maker. Folks, I think it's pretty important, honestly, to understand that God did not leave us here to flounder, to not know what to do. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. And yet I'll tell you something with a big smile on our face. We act like we've made ourselves, okay? Things go wrong, things get hard, difficult things in life, and we act, humans, humans act like, oh, I got this, right? I mean, isn't that amazing that that phrase alone has become a big part of our vocabulary? I got this. Or you're talking to somebody in the hospital, or you're talking to somebody on Facebook, or whatever, and they're going through a difficult time, and you say to them, You got this. Friends, can I give you a secret? You don't. You don't. If there's anything about life, it ought to teach us that that we're out of our league, that we're way over our heads, that we can't accomplish it. But the amazing thing about that is that we have an owner's manual that is written to us, written, given to us, written by our maker. And it is absolutely incredible that we go through life acting like I got this. I can figure it out. Folks, again, from the bottom of my heart, with all humility, because I know, look who you're looking at, is that we think I got this, I can handle this on my own. That is probably the biggest thing that I struggle with in my life personally. And I'll admit probably, and and I'll say probably a lot of us that are here today struggle with that too. And that is we think we got this. I can handle it. And yet God has given us his word. If there's anything that life ought to teach us, good times, bad times, and we'll talk about this more in just a second, is go to God's word because God's word is His his owner's manual for our lives. And it tells us how we can live and how we can learn more about him and learn more about life and learn more about the future and learn more about the world and learn more about how to come to God, and all of those things are in the Word of God. And so owner's manuals are one thing, but what I want to do is just take a few moments, next half hour or so. Now, you know, Pastor, Pastor Todd, yeah, I did it again, uh, gave me just, he whispered to me just a moment uh, before I came up here and said that since my daughter is speaking to the children, that probably means that I can go longer too. I don't know if that's true, but... Uh, Pastor told me that, so you know. So anyway, that, that's 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 are And we're all assuming then that that Christie is long winded, <laughs> and and uh, takes after her mother. Um, <laughs> just just kidding about all that. Have your Bible, Second Timothy three. You know this. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable. Paul wrote to Timothy, is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for reproof, for correction for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, now folks, please hear me, That that is not, that is not a, uh, in the Bible, in, in the original language, that is not necessarily a masculine term, it is not, it is written as for mankind, it is written for man, for mankind, that the person of God, and folks, I, I trust that in your heart, that's what you want to be, as a person of God. That we uh, want to be people of God, who are living for God, who are seeking God, who are searching for God, who are willing to follow God, that we want to be that person of God. And that person may be complete, and we're going to talk about what some of those things mean, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I know you know that. It's a familiar verse. But as we take this little um, parenthesis in our studies of a book in the Bible and talk about how to study the Bible, this one... um, is where God led me, because it helps me to look at Scripture this way. So let me just go through this today, and by the magic of Microsoft, we're going to have different colors and different emphases and all that kind of stuff, and you have some notes, you can jot these things down, but let me just talk to you about that. All Scripture uh, is given by inspiration of God. First of all, we need to understand that when we go to the Word of God, it is from God. God, um, it's not just a book. I'm, I'm a writer. I remember when my, like when my first book came out, I, I, I sent the first copy to my mom. I wanted somebody to read it. <laughs> and uh, my mom's in heaven now. Um, I'm not sure that I have the confidence that she did but I read it. But um, this is from God. It's not like some book. I'm a basketball fan. I read a few years ago that there was a guy, Jerry Lucas, that played for the New York Knicks, who memorized, I don't know if this is true, the Manhattan phone book. Why? (laughs) God's word. God. Holy God. Lord of lords, God of gods, the creator of the universe, the maker. He spoke, and the world came into existence. And he's given us a book, an owner's manual. It's a pretty important book, right? Inspiration of God, a theological term. We'll talk more about theology in just a minute. A theological term that means God breathed. The last few months, everybody probably in the room, I've had... I've had breathing problems. You know, when you have breathing problems, it hits you how important breathing is. Right? now, you've, That's the thing. When you have asthma and all of that, you think about breathing. Now all of you are thinking about breathing. Think about, think about breathing. God, God breathed. The Word of God. It, it's really interesting that the Word... Again, by the magic of Microsoft, God breathed. But it has the idea that this is truth that is coming directly from God. Now, here in this passage, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's talking about the Old Testament and the scriptures that were available at the time. But at our time, we have all of that. (coughs) We have the Word of God, the very breath of God. It's that important. So let me just tell you, of everything I said so far, you need to understand. We need to understand. I need to understand that God's word is pretty important. That God breathed—that's the word that God used to tell. That's a term that God used to tell us about the scriptures. God breathed; it's the very breath of God, and it is profitable. Okay, it's not just there. God didn't intend Christianity to be this. Uh, okay, you have to do this. There's no uh, real benefit for you, but I'm going to make you do this. Right. Like, uh, what possible benefit would there be to memorizing the Manhattan phone book? No one knows. Okay, yeah, he could look up some, okay, he could look up some, he, maybe he knows somebody's number. It's not just that God told you to do this and that God made us do this, like, like we got to mark off on some cosmic checklist. Okay, I did that. That is never how God wants us to treat His word. Like, again, we have this checklist. Okay, I did that, I did that. There's no value to it. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't get it, but I'm going to do it because there's legalistic uh, principle there or something like that. It's not that. God's word, has, God's word is profitable for you and for me. Profitable. A term that means, and I know you know this, it's, I mean, it's really simple. It means useful or beneficial or it yields um, advantageous re, uh, return. I mean, it it is it is good for us to do that. It's like, humanly, money or whatever, making a profit. We get that. There's value. It's useful. It's beneficial. God's word is there. Um, just within the last few months, there was uh, there is a Christian research organization that's called Barna Research. I. The president, his name is David Kinnaman, is at, he, now George Barna started it, and David Kinneman, I've gotten to know him basically through the internet and social media or whatever. But one of their most recent surveys that they did is how Americans, not just believers, but how Americans view the Bible. And their report, Barna report said this, that in America, not just believers, that in America, most people highly value the Bible. And most people think it's probably from God. The majority of people in America, but also the majority of people in America never read it, research. So we have a Bible, we have a book that is profitable for us, that is beneficial for us, that is the Word of God, it's it's important to us, it's the owner's manual, and it's, and it's good for us. Well, how? And then this verse tells us, and I know you know this, and it's not going to be all that profound. And in your notes there, in the middle of your notes, you have a little diagram that we're going to get to in a minute that I'm going to try to, I'm going to, try to give you an illustration of how this works. But it's, it's profitable for these four specific things. For doctrine. Okay, watch. The magic of Microsoft. You ready for this? Doctrine, number one. Reproof correction, and for instruction in righteousness. That the person of God may be complete, perfect, we'll talk about that, mature, grown up, might might actually go on for God, thoroughly furnished, thoroughly equipped for all good works. That might be exactly what God wants us to be. So here's the thing, God has given us His Word so that we can be what God wants us to be. That's the point of today. And so I think that that's amazing, that the instruction in righteousness... Not just instruction, because that could be, I teach you anything. I taught you today what shade means in German. Schade, what a pity. Now, it's not just teaching you something, teaching us something. It's teaching us about righteousness. We'll talk about that in a minute. So, let's talk about this for a little bit. And I'm going to get to that little diagram with the feet and all of that in just a moment. And uh, I'm going to talk about these four things. Profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. So here's my little chart to explain this. It's as if, uh, let's assume that the two lines, the parallel lines, are the path of our lives. It's from childhood through teenage years, through young adulthood, through adulthood, through old age. That's the path of our life. And God has told us in His Word, Paul told Timothy, that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's the very breath of God, and it's profitable for these four things. And so if you want to, in your notes, and uh, if you don't, I'm going to come find you. Uh, You can write these words down by the footprints, okay? Doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. And what I'm going to do, again, by the magic of Microsoft is tell you a little bit about how this chart works and what I mean by this and and all of that. I I talked a little bit about this actually the very first time I preached here at Wyoming Valley Church. We were talking about Timothy and the youth group and all of that kind of stuff. But I'm going to kind of highlight this and make it um, uh, maybe a visual aid for us to understand how important Scripture is. Okay, So the first one is that God's Word is profitable for doctrine. Now that sounds big. Right, doctrine. It sounds serious, it sounds heavy, it sounds hard. But doctrine here is a word that means instruction, but it also means the systematic teaching of God's Word. The systematic teaching from God's Word. So I put in parentheses this it's basically anything that we learn from Scripture. That's doctrine. Anything that we learn, but it has the idea that there is a system, there is an order. There is a theology, if you will. We'll talk about that in just a minute from the Word of God. That, that there is um, truth that God wants us to learn. And God's Word is profitable for that. In, uh, in, in Bible colleges, in seminaries, but in theology books, there is a, a basically a, a set of, of ologies And the first one being theology, which is the study of God. But if you just look down through this list, and I'm not expecting you to write this down or anything like this, other than to say that one of the great values of the Word of God, one of the great values of the Word of God is to teach us about God. Now Romans 1 says that we can look out into creation. We can look out in the heavens and see God. We can look into the minute areas of life and see God. We can look into our lives and see God. One of my favorite passages in Acts is that Barnabas showed up in, in Antioch and it says that he saw the grace of God. I love that phrase. I love that phrase. So you can see God at work at, in people. But if we go to the Word of God, we're going to see God. That God is omnipresent. He's always there. That God is a God of comfort. I talked about my breathing. Can I be um, transparent and personal for a minute? Is that okay? Is that okay? During this whole breathing thing that I've had and, and all of that, um, there were lots of nights. For some reason, breathing is harder at night, right? And there were times that I'd be out in my recliner in the middle of night, and I'd get my ipad because it lights up and read the bible and it's okay to be transparent right sometimes for hours and i I admit sometimes that my mind you know all of that I've, i've talked to you about that wasn't always there but one of the most comforting things ever was to realize that god's word is teaching me about about god that God is there, that God is comfort, that God loves me, and that God can help me. See, if there's anything about life, it ought to be that life teaches us, go to the scriptures, folks, go to the scriptures, because the scriptures are going to tell you about God. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. I I think the biggest thing, that young people today struggle with. I think the biggest thing that you and I struggle with today is life about me or is life about God? Is all about me? And I think life teaches us that it needs to be about God and go to the Word of God. It teaches us about the Bible. We're doing that for a couple weeks. It teaches us about Christ. My goodness, if there's anything that we ought to rejoice in, it's to study about Jesus. The Son of God came to die for you. I heard that, I'm five years old, Child Evangelism Fellowship, Good News Club in Montrose, Pennsylvania, Rosemary Clark, Jesus, the Son of God, died for me. I learned that from from Scripture. You can study the church, you can study end times. That's that's, that's interesting. You know, you ever, especially a novel, ever read the end and find out what happened? You know, we, we know what happened. We have that from the Bible. It's the study of sin, we're going to talk about that in a minute. The study of the Holy Spirit, salvation. The study of man is in the Bible. All of those things. So, so doctrine is pretty important. It is. Um, l- l- let, me, let me back up right there. Again, let me just say that before I move on, and I, um, yeah, I, I want to do this quickly and not spend too much time. But But here it is, I think, to make this really practical, and that is, I I think all of us know, all of us are old enough to understand, right? That there's times in life when life presents something to us that we don't have a clue how to handle, right? I was talking about the owner's manual thing. We got, my family and I got Peggy, I won't tell you the whole story, this thing for Christmas, So we were going to try to surprise her, and Todd and Christy and me and a friend, you know, had to bribe her to get out of the house, Peggy, get out of the house, and uh, that's not hard. You know, I gave her $3 to go shopping, and um, we tried to put this thing together, And, and all of us, no offense, Pastor Todd, no offense, Missionary Christy. And no offense, offense to my our nephew who happened to show up to help us, but none of us had a clue how to do this thing. And we're there. we got stuff all over the living room floor, and we get the owner's manual out that I think was written by somebody um, from somewhere else. <laughs> and uh, oh my, oh, my goodness. Yeah, life has oh, my goodness moments where we don't have a clue. Right, Did you ever have some of those? I went to BBC, Baptist Bible College, Clark Summit University, and I'm trained to be a youth pastor, right? I'm a pastor. And I get a phone call from a church in Michigan, and I put everything I owned in my car, everything I owned in my car. Peggy and I were engaged, didn't get married till the end of the summer, and I drove to Detroit. Had my clothes. I didn't, even, I didn't even own a single suitcase. Had everything in my car laid out. I had books. I had an old beat up TV that didn't work. It was in my room when I was a kid. And I don't even know why I took it because it didn't work. But I hit it enough. You know, remember those days? Back, hit the TV, it comes back on. You know, and all of that. And I'm a youth pastor, right? I'm a youth pastor. That summer, and then that early fall or late summer, we got married. And it was our first. Thanksgiving together as a couple, Peggy and I, and we were gonna have, you know, my parents are here, Peggy's parents are in Iowa, and we were gonna have Thanksgiving dinner with our landlord in Michigan. And that morning, I get a phone call. A girl from my youth group was on the phone and told me that that morning, right before she called me, that her mom Shot and killed her dad with a deer rifle shot him actually six times Premeditated murder they called the police and they called me You ever been in a situation where you don't know what to do you don't know what to say that was my Welcome to the ministry moment I'm like hang on. Let me look this up in my college notes It's not there a Couple years later and I was asked by a family in our church to officiate a funeral. A little boy, a little boy. Was playing with a lighter cigarette lighter, let curtains set curtains on fire. He died in a fire, little boy. Mom and dad his mom and dad were divorced, they hated each other. Both of them at different times. Peggy and I, remember this, Peggy? We were at the funeral both of the parents who were grieving, who were mad at each other, said, uh, Pastor, is, is our little boy in heaven? Where do you find the answers to things like that? Where do you find answers that when you can't breathe and don't want to stay in bed and bother your spouse, so you go out and sit in the recliner and don't have any idea what to do, and pick up your iPad. And I'm thankful for Bible apps that glow in the dark because there's times in life where you don't have a clue what to do. The answers to all of those things, by the way, are there. God's a God of comfort. God's a God of instruction. That's what this whole thing is. And my point about telling you my stories is not to say my stories are bigger and more important than you. I just kind of told you some wild stories, right? to get you to understand that there's lots of times in life where we don't know what to do lots of times in life where we don't know what to say those ought to be the times that drive us to the scriptures because the purpose of the scriptures is for god to teach us right my little chart doesn't end there though okay talks about teaching but the next word is the word reproof, which is a word that means to rebuke or to criticize with a cause or to criticize with a reason. In fact, there's a reason for me or for God in this case to point out to you that you are wrong. And here's the thing. Basically, rebuke is you are wrong. Now, folks, again, for the tape... You know, my, I'm not sure who's going to listen to my message uh, on the recording. Uh, my mom's gone. She read my book. She, she might be the one to listen. But, but here's the thing. Um, when you read uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scriptures of the grace of God, it is profitable for doctrine. I get that. I like to learn. I like to read. I like to learn. Even our thing we were making for Peggy to, for Christmas, it's like, okay, there's an owner's manual. I can learn. I can figure that out. It didn't turn out real well, but I can, I can do all of that. But then then reproof reproof is when God says to you you are wrong Can I say this with all love with everything that I can possibly muster up That's good for us That's not a bad thing I'm not kidding you. When our kids were little, Peggy taught me this. She used to pray that if our kids messed up at school, they'd get in trouble. She wanted them. I mean, figure this out. She wanted them to get in trouble. Well, if they did wrong, she wanted them to get in trouble so that they would learn you don't get away with sin. That's a good lesson, right? I remember early on, and I got to quit telling stories, Pastor Todd, and stick to the message but I remember also early on in my ministry early on we had a bigger church and we had a multiple staff church and there was a guy on our staff big guy a lot older than me came into my office one day he says Mel can I talk to you and your wife sometime I'm sure Larry sure he said uh, can my wife and I come over to your house tonight and talk to you and I'm like I don't know, if, well, I don't know what your personality is if someone says that to me I want to talk to you my personality is, I want to know now what you what you want to talk to me about. And he wouldn't tell me. He would not tell me. He said, no, 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 no. But he said, this is really serious. We'll wait until after dinner. My wife and I will come over to your house. We can make sure Peggy's there when and, and, and come over to our house. And so all day long, it just bugged the daylights out of me. I don't know even if Peggy's this way, but it just I, I, I couldn't understand what he wanted. And so we had dinner. We got dinner put away. And after a while, Larry and Bev... Uh, came over to our house and came in and we're like, you know, I worked with this guy every day at the church. I worked with him every day. We knew each other very, very well. We walk into the house and it's, how you doing? How you doing? But then it stopped all of this, how you doing stuff, right? And we realized that he was there for some specific reason. So I remember, I'm telling you the story right now, and I remember I can visualize it in my mind right there. We're sitting in our living room in Michigan and he's sitting there and his wife's sitting there and I'm sitting there in my chair Peggy's sitting there in her chair and and the guy's the guy's dead serious and he says to me he starts telling me that there was an area in our ministry that was wrong and if I didn't shape up that uh, I was going to hurt the church and hurt the ministry and hurt my family and hurt my wife and he's confronting me and all of you are thinking oh, boy Mel what was that I'm not going to tell you today but about an area of ministry that that i was i was screwing up on i don't know what your personality would be my personality is i wanted to hit him a guy in my house telling me i'm wrong what would you what would you do then i, I thought about that i'm not i'm not real bright but i started thinking about this i told you this guy's big this guy used to play, be a fullback for the university, university of michigan i figured if i could hit him he might hit me back that's probably not a good idea then I started to think, wait a minute, Larry, wait a minute, wait a minute, I know you well enough and I got, you got one thing, I got six or seven things I can tell you about you dude, wait a minute, hey, sh- hey, shut up down. let me tell you, let me tell you about this, let me tell you, about-. and then I didn't do any of that because I realized he was right. And to be real honest with you, that one conversation kind of changed it direction of our life because there was somebody in my life who cared enough to confront me about something. Now that's one little story. Here's the point of this. When God comes to you, God, to reprove us, to rebuke us, to tell us we are wrong, then we had better, better listen. Right? By the magic of Microsoft, I think there's two areas of life where God does that rebuke. One is by the, the, the ministry of Scripture. In fact, I gave you a list. I'm going to go to this and come back. It is amazing in Scripture. In fact, here's the point. God is big enough to point out sin in our lives. God doesn't need me. Now, I believe in, in that there are times in life where confronting is important. I believe that what Larry did in my house was right. I, I'm not... I, 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 had to, I had to handle the human emotions, but I'm not saying that there's not time for that. But I also want to say emphatically that God is big enough to use His Word to confront us of sin. It's not my job to tell you that uh, whatever little thing in life you're doing is wrong is sin. But God can do that better than me is what I'm saying. Does that make sense? God can do that better than me. So God uses His Word to identify sin, and I started even with passages like the Ten Commandments and so on. But also I think it's important that God provided a solution for sin. Why are we here if that's not true? I mean here, why are we here? God sent His Son, read John 3, 16 and 17. God sent His Son to die on the cross to save us from our sin. So when God says to us, you are wrong. We had communion this morning. Communion is one of those times that God wants us to take to reflect To say before God that, God, I want to be clean before you. I want to be right before you. And then God has also given us the role of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit of God, a member of the Trinity, God says, when he has come, the Holy Spirit, he will convict us of sin. He will convict us of sin. And so it's really important for us to understand that God's word sometimes is hard. But it's also really, really good for us. Because God didn't leave us. Remember my illustration? You have a copy of it there if you had the yellow sheet. Notice the footprints on the chart are off the path. They're off the path. There are times in life where we blow it, where we sin. We're off the path. We're not following the doctrine. We're not following the instruction of God. We're off the path. God's word God's Word can convict us of sin. The Holy Spirit of God can convict us of that. It can tell us that we are wrong. Pastor Todd uses this message, talked about Hebrews 12. That was just last week, right? For those of you that were here Wednesday night, the family night, I told you a little bit um, about this story Wednesday night that we're here for the family night. Um, Hebrews 12 says this. Do not despise the chastening of the Lord nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Now this is, I'm kind of being heavy, but I'm kind of being personal today. and Using illustration illustrations that are, you know, from the Mel Walker life story. Which I'm sure are, you know, going to be a major motion picture. I'm sure they are. Um, here's another one. The... Uh, Summer after my freshman year in college, I was a basketball player in high school and college. And my freshman year playing basketball at Clark Summit University, Battlefield College, I dislocated my shoulder. Had to have surgery. Uh, just man, that dude just popped out and had to have surgery. Mercy Hospital in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Had the surgery, and uh, remember, I've told you this story before. When I was in high school, and God worked in my life, and it was guilt as much as anything, but God started working in my life, and I applied to be a student. I wanted to to go to second college, play basketball, major in journalism. That was what I wanted for my life. And God had a different idea. God started working in my life, and I finally applied to go to a Christian college. And if you've ever done this, or your kids have ever done this, you know how it is. They make you fill out a—they make you get a pastor's reference, Right? I gave my reference on paper in those days. I gave my reference to my pastor at my home church and said, would you fill this out and send it up to Baptist Bible College? You know what he wrote on the thing? He wrote big letters. It was paper thing. Mel does not belong at Bible College and sent it in. That was my testimony. I always kind of smile real big and say, even though he did that, they took me anyway. In fact, I'm not kidding you. Somebody from the admissions office called me on the phone And said this, Mel. Is there anyone who would say nice things about you? They literally did that. That was my testimony back back then. A couple years passed. I'm a student. I finally got in. My pastor, that guy who wrote the letter, Mel doesn't belong in Bible college, came to see me in the hospital. I think it's a law pastors have to go visit people in the hospital. I think, I think that's in the pastors' law book somehow. And he came. I'm in Mercy Hospital scranton pennsylvania i got this arm in a sling i had surgery on my shoulder this hand in those days had the iv thing a flat thing had the iv in this hand and they had the hospital tray where they put your food in front of me that's like right there in front of me in my bible because my mom and dad brought my bible my bible is on the tray and my pastor came down and he said you know mel you know i'm praying for you this guy mel doesn't belong to bible college guy that guy I'm praying for you, and I hope God works in your life, and so on. But I want to share a verse with you. And you would think it would be like, you know, Mel, God loves you. God has a wonderful plan for your life. Uh, God is the God of God comfort. God is going to heal you through this and all of that. You know what the verse was that my pastor shared with me in the hospital that day? Hebrews 12. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. The Lord loves those he chastened. Let me pray goodbye. The Lord loves those he chastens. The Lord loves those he chastens. Do not despise the chastening of the Lord or be discouraged. And with nobody around, my Bible on the tray, my hands both tied up, I'm thinking, the Lord loves those he chastens. The Lord loves that God is doing this to me for me for me because he loves me and that day with no one around my Bible on the tray in front of me IV in this hand this arm all strapped up because I just had the surgery is the day that I prayed and dedicated my life to Christ that day the Lord loves me enough to have something better for me than this There are personal stories today, but people, I'm telling you, reproof from God is a very, very good thing because we're off the path, and we need to get back on. I'll do this quickly. God, never, 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 how many nevers can I I keep saying? Never keeps us off the path. Aren't you thankful? For the forgiveness of God. My goodness, we ought to be all rejoicing right now. Because all of us, all of us, think, think. You could be up here telling me your stories too. You could be. But I have the microphone today. Um, Aren't we thankful for the grace, for the mercy of God? God never leaves us off the path. God is big enough to correct the problem. Correction. The feet are kind of, forgive my illustration, they're kind of getting back where they're supposed to be, the feet in my little illustration. It means to correct, to restore to an upright position, or to fix, to restore to an upright position. I love that. Another Mel Walker story, years ago I was way too old of what I should have been. I was playing basketball with students when I was teaching out at Faith in Iowa, and I ruptured my Achilles tendon, ruptured. I'm telling you all my injury stories today. When you rupture your Achilles tendon, you can't stand up. So they went and got me crutches. When you can't stand up, you're pretty thankful for crutches, right? And I wasn't thankful for a long time because your your, uh, armpits (laughs) kind of don't like the crutches after a while. But when you can't stand up to prop you back up is a very, very good thing. God does that for us. He helps us fix the problem. Look, He helps us to fix, to restore, to correct, to get us back on the path. God does that. I put there in the notes, if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the truth of it is, folks, that's just one of the ways that Scripture has where God helps us fix the areas in our life is that God has provided a way for us to be clean again If we confess our sin he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness yeah there are times that we blow it there's times that we sin there's times that we're off the path folks even me I'll tell you a secret even Pastor Todd I can say that I can say that Because we made clear this morning that I am his father. (laughs) Todd, I'm your father. Um, I could tell you some stories, right? I am so thankful that God helps us correct, correct the sin to get us back on the path. And then one more in my little chart. Instruction in righteousness. Well, notice this. Specific action steps. It's anything that God uses to instruct us to live for Him. It's a different word. It's the same concept as instruction, as doctrine. It's instruction, but it's a little bit different concept. And here it means the specific instructions of how to live for Him. I love Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I love that. I've often said, I think maybe I've said it to you before. I, I want to send that verse, Psalm 119.105. I want to send that verse to Nike and tell them, make tennis shoes with lights. <laughs> I could become a bazillionaire. <laughs> make tennis shoes with lights so that I know the next step. Now, most of the time it doesn't help me because I fall a lot. We've already proven that today. You know, it's like, but to know the next step, that's what the Bible is for. It gives you the next step. In Ephesians chapter 4, It's the same word for nurture, speaking of children, of parents helping children to know what to do. Good illustration! It's the same word, it's the same word in Hebrews 12, chastening. Yeah, there's a other word there that means, you know, spank, 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 spank. But it's the instructions, it's not bad for us. And then I think it's really, really important to realize that this passage says, instruction in righteousness, That the Apostle Paul, writing by inspiration of God, we already determined that, right? It didn't just say instruction and let it go. Although that would be good. Instruction in righteousness. Right living. Do what God retires. Doing what is right. And then, honestly, this is amazing to me. Straightness. In other words, purpose of the Word of God it's to help us to stay on the path. It's to help us to stay on that path and to keep our lives straight. And it, it helps us with that. So here's the path of life. You know, it's like God can help us. I mean, with we'll talk about that in just a minute. The instructions in righteousness, but to stay there, to live the way God wants us to live and to be the people that God wants us to be. So here's the illustration. Doctrine is, is walk this way. God's told us this. this is Walk this way. This is... This is about God. It's about life. It's about man. It's about sin. It's about the Holy Spirit. It's about the future. Walk this way. Reproof. is what God says. Not Mel Walker. Not Todd Walker. Not your spouse. When God says to you, you're wrong. Because God always helps us. Always, always, always helps us to fix the problem. Amen? Amen? Amen. And then instruction in righteousness to stay on the path of straightness because that is what God has for us. Now, The passage doesn't end, my little chart there, because it says this, why? That the person of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The word perfect or the word complete there, King James used the word perfect as useful or complete or mature. Or it's exactly what God wants us to be. That the purpose of the word of God is for us to be exactly what God wants us to be. And look at the verse. Look what the verse says. That we might be the people that God wants us to be. In other words, that we might live for him. But it's also that God put us here to serve him. Good works. That God left us here for a reason. Good works. That we might serve him. That, we, that life is about him. Remember the, the, the verse at the top of the page from Psalm one hundred. It is He who has made us. That, God, that life is about Him. Let's, folks, let's serve Him. That's what God put us here to do. Now, I'm done. But I want to give you, we're doing this little study on um, Bible study. So this isn't all that profound. Just, just take one or uh, and pass it through. All this is is a chart. That has those four words, doctor, reproof, correction, four terms. Doctor, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. And after all of that, you know, I've taken 50 minutes. After all of that, now it gets to how to study the Bible. And that is, when you go to the Word of God, and I think... If nothing else, I mean, I've talked a lot about why we should go to God's Word when we don't know what to do, when we don't know what to say, to learn more about God, to comfort us in the middle of the night when we can't sleep, to re- convict us of sin, and all of that. When we go to God's Word, folks, look for these things. You can take a little sheet of paper. I just This one just happens to be orange. And when God teaches you something, write it down. Write it down. When God uses his word, uses the Holy Spirit to convict you of sin, do something about it. Go to God. That's why Jesus died on the cross for sin. God made a provision for sin. We don't have to live in sin. Do something about it. Because God will help you correct the problem. And when God gives you, through the Holy Spirit of God, through the Word of God, how you can take care of something in your life, He'll always help you correct it. He'll always help you get back on the path, always. And then He'll give you instruction in righteousness. Instruction in righteousness. Instruction in righteousness. Living right so that we can live the way God wants us to live, so that we can be the people that God wants us to live over the long haul, that we can go on for God, keep going on for God, and be the person and serve him with our lives and all of that, because that's what God wants us to do. So when you go to the Word of God, and Pastor Todd, and we'll, we'll do some other things, methods, but one of the things that's always been an encouragement to me is uh, about the Scriptures, is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The very breath of God, it's from Him. It's not from me, it's from Him. And it's profitable, it's beneficial, it's good for me. For doctrine, to teach me, for reproof, to tell me, Mel, you're wrong. For correction, how to fix it when I'm wrong, how to fix it when I sin. And the instruction in righteousness, the step by step instructions of what to do next. To live for God. Why? That I might be, that you might be the person that God would have you to be. And that we might serve him that way with our lives. I hope this has been helpful. I hope it's been beneficial. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Studying for today, going over this, has reminded me of how incredibly practical your word is yeah. There's stories. There's narratives. I love that. The Old Testament stories, the New Testament stories, but I, the doctrine, the poetry, the history, all of all of that that's there. The the prophecy, all of that that's there, is for our good, our benefit. It's profit for that. God help us to be people of the book, so that. Your word can teach us how to live the way you want us to live and how to serve you, how to go on for you over the long haul. Father, I thank you for our church. I thank you for your word and how practical your word is for our daily lives. God, I thank you. Use your word in my life and our lives for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tom. Thank you for that, Dad. Fantastic.